welcome to series 3 of our podcast, brought to you by Oxfordshire Recovery College. Hello and welcome to the Recovery College podcast. My name is Claire and I am the administrator and a tutor here at the college. This is the final episode of our festive series and you can listen to any of the other podcasts from this series by heading over to our website, Oxfordshire Recovery College, or through Apple, Spotify and Anchor. I'd like to start by wishing you all a happy and healthy new year from all of us here at the Recovery College. I am joined today by two of our wonderful tutors, Stephen and Rosie, and one of our lovely students, Julie, um, and a huge thank you and welcome to you all for joining me. For this podcast, we're going to be sharing some of the ways in which we can all get through January. For some of us, this can be a very long, difficult month, and with COVID-19 still very much with us, and once again, we find ourselves back in lockdown, this can only add to the difficulties. So. I think I'm going to start by asking you all, um, can we make it through January a bit easier? Can we get through these days? And how can we do it easier? Stephen, if I could come to you. The simple answer to that is yes, I'd like to think that we can. And I'd like to think it's definitely achievable. Um, How we go about that, obviously, we're going to discuss as the topic today and hopefully we'll come up with some good ideas um so yeah but yes i think we can and that's i think part of that it sounds simplistic but just saying yes and having the positive mindset to begin with is the first hurdle to overcome for me anyway don't know how everybody else feels about that but just having that yes i can yes i will um before i do anything practical is is the first step Thank you. Um, So, yeah, I I completely agree with Stephen. I think there's a lot we can do to make it easier. Um, But I think, uh, I mean, you mentioned about COVID and lockdown again. I think that it's really important that the things we think of doing are achievable and realistic. Um, Yeah. So we're not putting too much pressure on ourselves because I don't know about anybody else, but I know that I can think, oh, today I should do an hour's meditation and an hour and a half's walk and all my work and tidy my house and whatever and actually uh, sometimes the keys are about letting go of expectations not just adding things in so yes I think we can do a lot I think it can be adding things in that we want to do and I think it can also be adjusting boundaries and expectations as well definitely yeah I think it's really important to to adjust our expectations I think that's that's key here isn't it definitely Julie? Yes, I'm just in full agreement with everything that everybody has said so far. Um, I do think that it's achievable, but I think, uh, as everyone said, it's really important to be realistic and honest with ourselves. You know, it's too easy to think that we need to be positive, we need to do this, we need to do that. No, we need to be honest about how difficult things are and adjust our expectations accordingly. Amazing. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I've certainly learnt um, through my own mental health um, conditions is uh, just to take it one day at a time, really. Um, Focus on the things you have achieved rather than the things you haven't. Um, Simple things, making a cup of tea, getting dressed, brushing your hair, just, you know, so simple. Um, And one thing that was really important to me um, when I was poorly was 
I learned not to plan too much. Um, when I was really poorly, I used to think it's so important to keep busy, you know, see lots of friends, have lots of friends around, go out, do things and keep my mind active. Um, but very quickly, I recognised that this actually wasn't doing me any favours. It was, in fact, making me worse. Um, and I was putting too much pressure on myself to fit things in uh, when I really didn't want to. Um, but I was, I guess I was fearful of letting people down including myself again. Um, so I think it's really important to know your limits um, and to know when um, things are feeling a bit too much. Um, and just, uh, again, lower those expectations, pull back a little bit um, and, and, you know, give yourself a little bit of breathing space. Yeah, I would agree with that. I have that similar, a similar pressure that I put on myself. I have a very strong proactive part of myself. And when I'm not doing very, very well mentally, that part of me gets actually a lot stronger. It's almost as though I have to rescue myself. I have to get out there and fix myself. I have to make things better. And it's almost as though by stopping and slowing down, you're almost afraid to face what you might have to face. So you just get faster and recognizing the signs that perhaps that's that's something you have to look out for a vulnerability in yourself mm. is actually really important for me anyway yeah I think that's really really interesting Julie because I think as well as having our own innate vulnerabilities I mean I, I'm quite a perfectionist I think there's also because we now talk about wellness and mental health there's so many good ideas out there but they can become a pressure and an expectation and quite a high expectation um, and actually adjusting. And I really liked the phrase you used just now about being honest with ourselves about where we're at, uh, which is a real skill, isn't it? And looking after your mind. Yes. Care. And I think culturally we're not encouraged to be honest, actually, and some cultures more so than others. But, you know, I think that's something that people are often afraid of being is actually honest about how we feel, how difficult things are. And uh, until we are, I don't think it's possible to really get to the other side. Yeah, I'm just thinking as a, as a slight counterpoint, because I know everyone is different. We all have our individual needs to service. Um, talking about not making any plans and stuff. I know that one thing that indicates <clears throat> or makes my mental health worse when I'm struggling is the lack of purpose. And I'm not quite sure where you sit on that. There's a fine line between taking it easy and just giving into doing very little and being kind of, okay, this is where the wind is taking me today. And I, that to me personally is quite dangerous because then that kills my motivation. And then that's when I spend three or four days in bed. So I've, I've always tried to, but it, when I say purpose, it can be right tomorrow. I'm going to sort my sock drawer out and I'm going to tidy up the front room and watch that Netflix series but it's going to bed the night before or waking up that day, knowing there's something to do. And I think we can't overlook that, especially with the current lockdown, uh, the restrictions, whether they're real or imagined. And some of them in my head become overblown. Like I think I can't go out. I can't do this. I can't go anywhere. Where in reality, I'm still allowed to go out. I'm still allowed to enjoy the fresh air and the birds mm. singing. But there's a certain psychological impact of feeling restricted that, I try and give myself something that I'm allowed to do every day and it gives me momentum and motivation. I think, Stephen, that's a really good point. And as you were talking, it reminded me of the difference between self-care and um, just kind of blobbing out, 
And there is a difference. There's a big difference. And doing nothing and thinking that that's self-care actually can work against us. You know, it's all about um, looking after ourselves and doing things that actually are going to be kind of mentally good for us, but not putting those expectations and pressures on ourselves to achieve things and be productive in a particular way. And I think yeah. that's that balance is actually really important because it's true. Some people just veg out and think that's being self-care, that's being, you know, that's looking after yourself. And actually it can work against you very easily. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that as well, Julie. And Stephen, I think you've made a valid point. And I think perhaps, you know, what I should have said was, um, you know, I used to make sure I did one thing a day so that it gave me that reason to get up and not just the blob you know because that is so easy to do especially when you're you know you're not in the best place um but I just had I just found I would just plan one thing a day I would take out the other two or three things like you say you know it's all small steps isn't it that tidying your sock drawer um you know tidying your front room doing a load of washing it's all very small steps to to getting through each day I think and I, I think you're right there small steps is is key I mean I am always in awe of those people that have a diary that's an itinerary of up at seven and then there's something in there for every hour until they get home at nine and oh, I, I I am I am one of those people <laughs> like you said that I'm like I've got one thing in my diary for the day if I can achieve that I'm going to feel great about it it might be a big yeah. thing it might be a really small thing but I'm a one or two things kind of person because I like to put all my effort and focus into doing, like Rosie was saying, I'm a bit of a perfectionist too. So if I can choose one thing, but do it to the best of my ability and it's perfect, then I'm happy with that rather than pick 10 things to do that I've kind of half had a go at and then they're still there for tomorrow as well. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, wonder how many of us, I mean, I'm a perfectionist too. There's a bit of a common thread going on here, isn't there? Common theme. Um, and um, I, I think one of the other podcasts done by the Recovery College, someone was talking about having a good enough Christmas. And actually, I thought that's actually really, really important um, for me to um, kind of aim for things being good enough sometimes because the perfectionism for me can sometimes become an issue. But um, following on from what you're saying, Stephen, I think um, the one thing that I will try and do every day, and we are talking about this earlier before we started recording, is the getting outside um, and I have tried to make that a kind of non-negotiable with myself since last March. Now, I don't always achieve it. I have to, in the, in the interest of being, you know, 100% transparent here, I don't always achieve it. But because I make that kind of my my one thing that I'm aiming for, I probably achieve it about 80, 90% of the time. And what I'll try and do is I'll aim for only 10 minutes because I know that if I aim for half an hour or an hour, I will. I might do it today, but I won't do it tomorrow because I'll immediately think mm. I don't have time. I don't have time, so I can't even start doing that. I won't mm. do it. So I aim for 10 minutes, and what invariably happens is once I'm out, it's so much easier just to keep going, and that 10 minutes becomes half an hour, and some, you know, most of the time now it's an hour. But I never let myself think I'm going out for an hour because I just won't happen otherwise. Mm. Um, and those 10 minutes, I try and make it as easy for myself as I can so I have everything at the door ready to go. I have my wellies, my scarf, my gloves, my everything, because I know if there's anything that's going to make it more difficult – for me to get out, I won't do it. 
Um, so I try and make it, you know, as if I've got no excuses to, to get out. And I know for some people it's still very difficult for physical, um, you know, disability or physical illness and for caring for children. There's all kinds of things that can make it really difficult for people to get out. But what I've noticed with myself is that if I can do it as a regular thing, and if that's the only thing I manage most days, um, it has a cumulative effect. And over time, it really does have a massive impact on my mental health. Sometimes, quite often, I'll go out and I'll come back and I think, actually, I don't feel any better, but I'm still glad I did that. But I notice that if I do that every day, it does actually start to add up. And now, after, after doing that for, I think, a few weeks, that I think they, don't they say it takes like six weeks to form a new habit or something like that. I notice yeah. that now if I don't go out, it actually feels wrong. It feels like something's missing. Something's not quite right. Uh, and that in itself is a motivation for me to keep, keep it up. A bit like brushing my teeth. It's become something that I don't actually think about anymore. Yeah. I think it's, it, for me, it's paramount to get outside. Um, especially now I find myself, working from home and um, obviously have been on and off since March last year. We had a period where we could go into the office a couple of times a week. Um, but I've put it into my routine to take my dog for a walk um, at about anything between 12 and 1 o'clock just to separate that um, morning and afternoon and just, you know, refresh myself, recharge those batteries. Um, and if it's been a really busy morning the difference I feel when I come back. Um, and, and a bit like you, Julie, I set myself the target of I'm just going to take him around the block. That's long enough, just a quick walk around the block because he always has a good walk at night. But on a day like today, I'll start doing that. And I think it's so nice. I'm going to go to the next block or the next block. And sometimes I can be gone for sort of half an hour, 40 minutes, but it just clears my head um, and sets me up for the rest of the afternoon. And I just... For me, getting outside is key. It really is. Um, so, yeah, a, a really useful tip there. I kind of find, too, I have to make it for more than five minutes because otherwise it's not worth putting on all the gear to go out for five minutes. So that's why I'm, yes. I aim for 10 yeah. minutes. And absolutely. We're talking about habits there and that they can be different things. I like that, that it takes six weeks to achieve a new habit and then it becomes something you want to do. But... On a broader picture, it made me think um, what you were saying, Claire, about you take the dog for a walk at a set time because it, it's like your lunchtime. It breaks up a day. And it made me think about structure. It made me think about, especially with the lockdown coming in, how that affects the structure. And some people will have different um, views on being overstructured or understructured, but we all need some form of structure. And I used to struggle with it and thought I didn't need anything. And then, like I said, that was when I would find myself being in bed for two or three days or really struggling. And I came to the conclusion that we all need a little bit of structure. And how difficult is that going to be with the lockdown at the moment? But I like the idea of if I was at work, I'd be having my break now. So that's when I take the dog for a walk. Or I'm going to take my walk now because that's when I would be doing this. And maybe finding new and interesting ways to structure our days when essentially they've been devoid of all structure as it usually yeah. exists at the moment yeah yeah I completely agree with what you're saying Stephen because I think that um for me working from home has really really interrupted uh, my routine and it's interrupted the boundaries mm. between work home life uh, things like that and actually 
I'm still working on a routine and it's not having a routine that that having a routine makes it easier to adopt habits that are going to be helpful like going out for a walk and not having a routine makes it harder um so yeah one of the things I was going to ask you Claire and Julie was that I think you've answered this Claire about going for a walk at lunchtime but Julie is there a particular time of day you go for a walk I always mean to get out and go for a walk and it so often doesn't happen and I'm just trying to think okay what do I want to anchor it to so it happens more often yeah that's a good question I um, am finding that I'm doing more and more work now and I'm not yet in a kind of uh, daily routine my work hours because I'm very freelance I'm doing meetings here and there and all over the place so everything's at different times every day it's been very difficult to attach it to anything actually um, on the other other hand because I'm not working full-time I am a free agent so I can go out when I have a break um, what I find that I, I find that going out first thing doesn't work for me I have to do other things first thing and as the days get shorter and shorter in January I've noticed that I really have to get out by two o'clock because otherwise mm. it starts to get dark particularly on an overcast day and then it cuts my walk, walk you know way too short um, or makes it kind of depressing thing to do in the dark um so no I, I haven't yet but I think that anchoring it's a brilliant idea and I think that that's a powerful way of forming a new habit and making it achievable mm. it sounds like you have got something though because you try and get out before two o'clock every day so you have actually got something yeah that's true and talking of this time of year that's another thing that makes January particularly difficult and we were touching on this earlier weren't we about um, the weather I think this country I mean I really 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 struggle with winter in Britain because you can probably hear I'm not from Britain and um, and I you know it's sometimes it can be more like tramping through a foot of mud in a lot of places and leaving your wellies behind you as you get stuck if you're in the countryside and that's off-putting and you go out into the driving rain if you're like me and you have glasses you can't see a can't see a damn thing that's off-putting uh when it's minus three degrees you've got a migraine you haven't slept all night and you feel like crap that's off-putting but um i still find that the benefits outweigh the cost especially if you can do it or make it a regular thing mm. um and uh yeah i know if i haven't been out i can just feel it my whole my whole mood just dips ever so slightly if I haven't had that outdoor time, which, you know, going back to after six weeks, it becomes a habit. It definitely does because two years ago, I didn't even leave my house. You know, I didn't, I would never have gone for a walk on my own mm. with the dog or I just wouldn't have done it. Um, and, and now that's my tranquility. That's my space. That's my, my time. You know, we, we all go for, you know, we both go for a walk with the dog in the evening but at lunchtime, that's sort of my little um, space. But it does come back to the whole weather and the, the time of year, because I remember during lockdown, sort of springs coming into summer last year, um, we were crossing the fields by sort of quarter to eight in the morning and just embracing that warm sun as it was coming up and just makes you feel so much different about things, doesn't it? It really does. And it again, that all plays a big part on uh, on your mood as well, I think. The daylight and the, the sunlight and, um, you know, Stephen. Yeah, I just, I was thinking about this before we were going to do the podcast and I was thinking about 
January and there's a new lockdown. I was like, well, we had a lockdown last year. What is the difference? And I just I amused myself by thinking the difference was last year, because it was spring going into summer, I would get up and I would have a cup of tea as soon as I got up and take it into the garden and sit on my bench and hear the birds and see the sunrise. And for the last few days, I've been getting up, making a cup of tea, putting the heating on and going back to bed until the house gets warm enough for me to get up properly. So I've just been noticing that the time of year really can have an impact. And it's something we haven't touched on yet, but we did before we were um, came on to do the podcast was the, the SAD, if anyone's familiar with SAD, the Seasonal Affective Disorder. I know it's a diagnosis that I've had um, been given in my life and it's particularly difficult to deal with on top of if you struggle with your mental health and depression and anxiety or whatever your ailments and conditions might be anyway to then get to a specific time of the year where nature itself says well we're going to make this even more difficult for you now have some extra things to look forward to and you think great and we touched on them it's 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 the weather it's the it's the light it's things like that mm. Yes, and uh, I'd agree with you very much there, Stephen. And I have said, and uh, the only the only reason I have to say, one of the main reasons I've managed to to live in the UK for twenty odd years is because I do have a sad lamp, and it's made a big, big difference to me. And they've become much more affordable now. I know that when I first got it, it was very expensive. It was humongous, and I had to sit in front of it for two hours a day and blind myself and everybody else in the vicinity. <laughs> And luckily, I had my own office at that point, so I could put it on and I could actually use it like that. Certainly couldn't once we got to being an open plan, hot desking situation. Fortunately, technology had moved on by then. The lamps were much smaller. They were very directional and the cheap, they're much, much more affordable now as well. But the interesting thing about them is that um, research has you know, shown that actually still, still being outside, even on a grey overcast day, you get more light than you actually do from a sad lamp, or at least it has more impact on you um, in, in terms of what the light does to you for your mental health than actually using a lamp. So that comes back to the still kind of getting yeah. out, being a priority. A lot to be said about getting outside, isn't there? Absolutely, so, absolutely. And good. and I wanted to pick up something on something you said as well, Claire, earlier, which was about, um, you know, you were saying how two years ago you couldn't get out. And I think that's true. And I think when our mental health is particularly in a you know really bad place, it does feel impossible to get out. Mm. There are other things that we can think about and even in a lockdown, I mean, I'm not quite sure what the rules are now. I keep losing track. But I think we can have socially distanced walks still, can we? I think at the moment. I think it's with one other person. With one other person. With one other person. So yeah. sometimes I think just From having. a different household. Right, probably. right. Yeah. Sometimes I think just having that one other person turn up and accompany you or help you get out of the house can just make all the difference. Oh, 100%. Um, I think for people who are on their own all day, like I am, getting out when you're in a bad space in your head and still being on your own on a walk is not necessarily the best thing you want to do for, you, for your mental health. So I will address that by listening to music and listening to podcasts and sending voicemails to people and listening to voicemails from people. And that's how I get around it. Whereas for other people, getting out and having silence, getting out of a stressful household, that's what they need. They need that time alone um, to actually help them. Just want to change tax a little bit because something arose there about if we couldn't get out or if that's not the thing we wanted to do, and it made me think of. I, I'm I, I like to think that I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I, I've always 
amusingly thought of myself as the most optimistic pessimist in the world. So, you know, I, I do have an, a negative strain running through me, which I think is unavoidable if you suffer from uh, depression and anxiety. There's a negative connotation to that. But I always want the best in the world. Um, mm. But sometimes like, you can't manage to do things. Um, and I was thinking about the things that lockdown, rather than being the restrictive, what what is the benefits it can give us? And I, I've made a few notes here just of things that I would like to do. And it's, you know, maybe idealistic, but, you know, r- write that book or read that novel that you want or draw that painting or and whatever your interest might be. I, I got a lot of art supplies for Christmas because I, I quite like drawing and painting. And they usually sit there until summer or the next year untouched. But this year I've now got motivation to, I can't go anywhere. I can't do much. I'm thinking maybe, maybe I'll paint that picture. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll write that, that thing that I've always thought about writing. Mm. And that's something that I can do inside when it, it, the weather is too bad and I can't go outside. Or if I've already been outside for my exercise today, and I've done the hour and there's another 23 hours left in the day for me to be inside by myself. What can I fill that with? So I was thinking of the fun things, you know, read that book yeah. that I've always wanted to do. Do something Absolutely. like that. Do a podcast. I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly. Listen to one of our podcasts. What, what better way to spend an <laughs> afternoon? Um, but I, I, I was just going to sort of start to think about winding it up and thinking about, you know, if we could just all think of one top tip um that we find really helps us at this time of year um and you know that will probably be quite useful to others um and Stephen you sort of um almost pinched mine in a way because I was thinking that um you know all too often when we're not feeling great you know all our hobbies the things we enjoy they sort of go out the window don't they because you know again you're just not in the right headspace for them um and again during lockdown when we first had lockdown last year I taught myself to crochet just literally by watching YouTube videos and things like that um and I used to sit outside in the garden on a spring afternoon with a you know a big thick cardigan on if it was cold sit and do some crocheting in the summer I would sit out in the garden all evening reading a book um and those things I've noticed have gradually disappeared um so again we've gone back into lockdown so I went back onto Amazon I ordered myself some more wool I've chosen a pattern on what I want to make um and then I contacted one of our other lovely tutors Alice um for some book recommendations because Alice is is an avid bookworm um and um I've ordered myself four books from Amazon so I think for me my my top tip would be to find that one thing that you really enjoy doing and think about how you can bring that passion back and what you can do to get that going again. You know, um, in regard to anything, I think if there is just one thing you can do for yourself each day to be kind to yourself, something you enjoy doing, that would be my top tip. I, I'm going to jump in on that and echo those sentiments. My top tip would be exactly the same. And I would add, um, without without guilt or expectation, do something that I enjoy every day. So if it's, I'm going to bake myself a cake and eat half of it today because I enjoy baking and I want to, then without, this is what I mean by without guilt or expectation, I'm going to allow myself to do that. If I want to sit there and read my book for three hours straight, 
I have no other responsibilities at the moment. I've got nothing else to do. So in, in normal times, I might think that's a bit indulgent of myself to sit there and read for three hours. I'm going to pick one thing a day where I'm going to go, right, without guilt or conscience, I'm going to do that one thing and allow myself to do it. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Stephen. Rosie? Um, I would say for me, I think it's about going back to basics and keeping things very simple. So uh, I would uh, concentrate on aiming for yeah one thing a day that I would push myself to do. So that might be going outside. Sometimes I can't be bothered to get myself outside. For me, that's having uh, 10, 20 minutes of mindfulness, but just keeping it really simple and just focusing on, on um, you know, one thing a day. Uh, that feels good and that's just for you brilliant thank you Rosie Julie yeah I think uh, building upon what everyone else has said I'm thinking of that very overused but important word self-care and I think it's all about figuring out what is self-care for you and it looks different for every person um, and aiming to do something that is caring for yourself at least one thing a day I actually have a box called a self-care box and I have um, gradually put more and more things in it over time so that if I'm not in a good place and I actually can't think of anything I feel like doing, I'll open my box and it's got the ideas already there. Because sometimes when you're really low, you can't generate uh, the ideas or remember okay. what makes you feel better. Yeah. I wonder if, if you'd be, you know, if, if you wouldn't mind, Julie, just sharing a, a couple of things that are in that self-care box, just so that if any of our listeners think, oh, that's a really nice idea, I might make myself one of those. Just a few suggestions that they can put in that. Uh, yeah, I've got a collection of different things. I've got some sensory items um, that I can actually help to ground myself if I feel that I'm starting to spin out of control. Um, I've got a couple of books in there. One of the books I've got, which I find extremely comforting and soothing, is which you might know is Char Charlie McKeezy, you know, the boy, the horse, the bowl. I can't remember what it's called, something like that. Yeah. 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 Which has got very few words in it. It's all beautiful pictures and it's very, very much a self care book. And it's something you can just take out of the box and open at any page and it will make me feel better. Well, you know, it will comfort me in some way. Um, and I've got uh, things in there which are just really ideas of things that when I'm in a good place, make me feel better. Like what Stephen was talking about, things, activities that I can do that I won't necessarily think of doing when I'm not in a good place. So I've literally got them listed in there and I can I can use them as a resource. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Julie. I just have one more thing to add, and it is going to be a shameless plug, but I would recommend that um, the recovery college courses that we are offering at the moment, that the we've started our new term that starts up next week. We'll be running until March, and we're going to have a vast array of courses, old and new, for students to log on and be part of. So I would recommend that as something to do if you're at loose end. Brilliant. Thank you, Stephen. And yes, we still have quite a few spaces on uh, on quite a few of our courses so definitely yeah you know come and join us um well thank you to all three of you it's been really lovely talking to you i've really enjoyed it and um you know i think it's nice to just share although they're all quite similar you know how we how we all deal with january um thank you to our listeners for joining us um, and whatever you're doing take care of yourselves and stay safe thank you brought to you by Oxfordshire Recovery College